The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Welcome to the creek. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time, we are so glad you're here. If you would, fill out one of those guest cards. It would be somewhere in the vicinity around you, either in a, one of the pouches in the back of a seat or might be under your seat, so you might want to check. Uh, but we would love to get some information uh, to you about who we are as a church and, and help you get connected and plugged into a community. Um, we're talking today, really, uh, we're hitting one of our core values on community. We're called it Together. And uh, God has called us as a church to do life together, to be together, to work together. And there's a lot of importance in, in being uh, the true church and how we operate. I got a couple quick announcements before we get into the message. Um, community groups are going to start January 20th, and today we're actually going to end service a little bit early. Your kids will still be in service, but we're going to basically in this room have speed dating. It's for you to get plugged into a community group. And uh, you will get to meet the community group leaders and go, tell me your philosophy. I'm just kidding. I mean, but yeah, not really, kind of. <laughs> so it's your opportunity to connect in community. Huge value for us. Our Creek Kids Volunteer Meeting is January 26th at 1130. Uh, if you, this is for all current. And if you are interested in volunteering, if you want to know more about Creek Kids Ministry and what they're about, who they are, um, feel free to join that. If you feel God's kind of challenging you to to step into an area of service in the church. Um, Creek Kids is an amazing area. Uh, we do background checks, and you do need to qualify for that. But uh, if God has given you that passion, we can help you get connected in that. It's an awesome team. I get asked this a lot. Um, they'll say, Pastor Matt, you know, where, where do you need me? We'll serve. Where do you need me? Let me just tell you, uh, because of the growth that we have seen in our church, the greatest areas of needs we have are going to be in children's ministry and our setup and teardown team. Uh, one of the things that we value is is rest in our community and, and to be able to help people have a break from things. So if you are praying about where to serve, the setup and teardown team is, is an area that we would love to have your help. Basically, it means this. The more hands that can help us set up and tear down, uh, the quicker that process goes. And uh, so we uh, want to be able to get that done, and we don't, we don't want to burn people out. That's not a value of a church. shouldn't be any value of an organization to burn people out. Uh, we like being able to rotate people on and off and, and to be able to get some, some much-needed rest. I want you for the long haul. We'll put it that way. Um, Acts chapter 1, we're uh, picking up where we left off last week. Last week, we kicked off the series called Ignite. And uh, through the book of Acts, what you're going to see is the Holy Spirit working through believers to ignite the mission of the church. Uh, it's called Acts of the Apostles. You could actually translate it, Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles to form the church to change the world. But it was a much better title. The Holy Spirit's better at naming books than I am. Um, but we're going to pick up where we left off. This is Acts chapter 1, part 2. Next week will be Acts chapter 1, part 3, and we'll probably finish Acts chapter 1 next week. Um, we're not in a hurry. One of the other core values we have at the creek is truth. Teaching verse by verse through the Bible keeps us accountable to truth. It, it, it really keeps me from preaching against things that I want to preach against. You know, like some of y'all make me mad during the week and I'll get up and preach at you. I'm not going to do that. Uh, we're going to preach the truth of Scripture. I never get emails. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to be in there. Where, where we left off in chapter 1 last week was 
uh, when Jesus told the disciples to wait, go to Jerusalem, wait, and uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you, and then you'll be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit empowers the mission of the church. We need to understand that. We don't need to be really, ooh, about the Holy Spirit, um, because a lot of times we grow up thinking he's like cousin it, creepy uncle. Um, We learned that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And he empowers us to do the work and the mission of the church. That work and mission is to take the gospel to the world. It's the good news of Jesus. Um, And the way we do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not empower us to sit in a room. The point of Christianity is not to gather and sit in a room. If that's the case, we miss the point. The point of Christianity isn't so we can have a better life. The point of Christianity isn't so we can have uh, more finances than we know what to do with. The point of Christianity isn't so that no matter what we do to our body, we always have health. The point of Christianity is to go out and make Jesus known, is to bring glory to our Father by living a reflection of Jesus. Does that make sense? We, we tend to complicate, complicate this and think it's all about us. The Holy Spirit's not going to empower us to sit in a room. And so today we're going to pick up with with this idea of gathering. It's important. I think we overemphasize things that that we shouldn't, and we underemphasize things that we should give more emphasis to to in the church. And we always talk about this idea of Christianity is going out. The mission of the church is going out. We don't neglect the idea of us gathering together. We put it in its rightful place but we do it in a healthy way. And so I want to look at this gathering that happens in the upper room uh, with with about 120 people, according to verse 15. We're going to look at three verses today. So we'll be in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. If you have a Bible, go meet me there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own one, you can take that home and make that yours. Uh, Here's what happens. Then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. The Sabbath day walk is about half to three quarters of a mile. There was uh, laws put in place about how much work you could do on the Sabbath day, uh, what you could do, what you couldn't do, and a Sabbath day walk. You couldn't walk as far on on a Sabbath as you could any other day. About half to three quarters of a mile. They were up on the mountain. They returned to Jerusalem. Uh, When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. The way the houses would be set up in the area of Jerusalem uh, is the bottom floor would be cut up into smaller rooms. That would be the load-bearing walls to support the structure upstairs so you could have a large gathering room. Uh, It was called the upper room. Uh, The creek, we had our upper room before we were in a daycare. We had an upper room. Uh, It was Ryan and Amber's house, Ryan and Amber Galloway, our worship pastors. Their upstairs had this massive game room. And so we would gather up there. Our core team would gather up there. Um, And our core team just expanded today. We had a class uh, during the second service. And I love how God is expanding our core. It's never just about the people who are in Ryan and Amber's upper room. It's about the core being engaged in the ministry. But we gathered up there. We did communion. We had worship. Um, There was flat screen TV. So after worship, we'd watch the, the ball game, you know, that's the, what church should do. And then downstairs, we put the kids downstairs. I mean, they were playing with the cutlery and all that stuff, and it was a grand old time. But the interesting thing is that we didn't just get together to get together. There was purpose in our gathering. Uh, we have to understand that, that the church 
have a purpose for when we gather. And we tend to confuse this a lot in church. Uh, We tend to think that um, church is something we build, is a building, and uh, it's designed to keep the bad people out. Let me help you with something right now. I am a mess, okay? You're a mess. People are a mess. That's the way it is, okay? We get that out of the way. It takes a lot less energy to move through the rest of today. Trust me. Uh, it's, always, it's always so much easier that I've found, just to be honest. I've got, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And a church isn't a building I go to keep bad people out. If that's the case, my mess couldn't be in here. If that's the case, you couldn't even say that the creek is a church because we don't have a permanent location. It doesn't take a building. It takes a purpose. The purpose is for the church, the people of God who are saved by grace. The resurrection power of the cross has transformed our lives. We gather, and the purpose for our gathering is to go. The whole reason we gather is to be prepared to go. The disciples, those that Jesus said to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit's coming. They gathered so they could be prepared to go. One of, the, one of the fun things I love seeing is when people first come to faith in Jesus, like when that, that resurrection power just hits them and they're a new creature, they're a new creation, and the old is gone, the new's come, and they're just like a puppy in the faith. You know, they're walking around like, I tell people about Jesus, you know, I mean, just like, you know, I love that. Um, I don't want to quench that, but I want to help focus that, okay? Because some of the, the, the greatest people that will go share Jesus are people whose lives have just been transformed. But there has to be a little bit of a learning process, you know? It's like, I had a guy that was trying to witness to me one time, and I, I was just asking him questions. He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't know any answers to any of the questions you're asking me other than Jesus changed my life. That's really all we need. But then he needed to kind of help prepare, you know? And so the disciples are about to go out into all the world with the power of the Holy Spirit. They need this time to prepare. They also needed some rest. Let me walk you through the last six weeks up to this point in the disciples' life. They had seen Jesus arrested. They had seen Jesus on trial and tried. They had seen Jesus beaten in this process. Peter's asked about Jesus. He denies him to this woman's face, ends up cussing her out. They see Jesus crucified. The disciples are so freaked out about the crucifixion, they scatter. Jesus is resurrected. Some of the disciples are back together. Jesus shows up. The disciples are like, what? And they see Jesus come in and they tell Thomas about it. Thomas is like, look, uh-uh, uh, I saw him hanging on the cross. Unless he comes in here and I can touch the scars, I'm not buying it. Jesus walks in the room. He's like, what's up, Thomas? So get you some right here. Touch this. I'm loosely translating the last six weeks of their life. And then after the resurrection, Jesus hangs out with them for 40 days. He says, stay in Jerusalem and that you'll receive the Holy Spirit whom I've told you about. It's better that I go and he comes and he's gonna give you power, but I need you to wait until he comes. And so they needed some rest. There had been a lot going on. And oh, by the way, one of the disciples betrayed Jesus, sold him out, and then went and committed suicide. Talk about the turmoil that's going on in the last six weeks. They needed a break. They needed to step out of what was going on and have a place where they could be encouraged, where they could refocus on what what they had just experienced. And this man, Jesus, they had just spent the last three years following. And he says, you're going to be prepared to go. 
So there was purpose in that. If we make the purpose of church and the purpose of us gathering in this place anything other than a place to be prepared to go, we've missed the point. And, and honestly, as a pastor and as a church, I don't want to go off on this misadventure, this adventure and missing the point, I guess we could call it. And the point is for us to get in here and do what we need to do to be prepared to go out because that's where the greatest strength is. That's where the Holy Spirit promises to empower us, not to just come sit in a room. And if we just sit in a room, we're going to get nasty. It's going to get nasty up in here, trust me. I mean, I've seen a sheep pen where a sheep can't go anywhere, but that pen, it's gross. I'm not going to ruin your appetite right before lunch. It's, it's nasty. I'm just saying. So there's purpose in the gathering. <laughs> Let's go on. The rest of verse 13 and 14. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I want to clue in on that. They all joined together. There wasn't just purpose in their meeting. There was unity in their meeting. You see, when we come together, we assemble as the body. Uh, The body is joined together by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are a diverse group of people. We're all collectively a mess, and that's what we share, but we come from different backgrounds. Our family situations are different. The way we have approached faith or have not approached faith in the past is different. The way we even approach Jesus is different. But when we gather as the church, there's unity body. The Holy Spirit brings us together and binds us so that we can live in this unity. It's one of our core values, community. This idea of togetherness, doing life together. You see, one thing I love about my community group is it's a place I can be honest and they're gonna love me. They're gonna love me in spite of me being honest about my mess, we'll put it that way. Because there's unity, not just in the faith, it's in that body. And God's working through us who are messy, normal people. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people who walk away from faith, who walk away from church because of disappointment. Very rarely can you really honestly say they're disappointed with God. Most of the time, they're disappointed by a Christian. They're disappointed by someone who represents Jesus. I'll tell you something, I'll disappoint you. I told you I'm a mess. And on the flip side, you'll disappoint me. You're a mess. But we can't just get to a point where we walk away. We look at somebody who falls and say, well, if they represent Jesus and that's the way they live, I'm out. If you're going to base Jesus off of how you see me fall, you're going to be out. Keep watching. Let's look at what Jesus does when he helps me. Let's look at the grace Jesus gives after we fall so we can help that be a part of the reality of not walking away from Jesus. If Jesus disappoints you, then walk away. Look at the disciples in this room. I'm sure there were people disappointed before they even got to this room, the upper room, because they had failed. You got Judas who sells out Jesus and then goes and commits suicide. Well, if he represents Jesus and this whole kingdom of heaven that's come to earth, that's the way he behaves. I want nothing to do with it, Jack. Or Peter. Hey, weren't you with Jesus? He ends up cursing this woman. 
If that's how people who follow Jesus represent Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with it. No, we're going to fall. We will disappoint people. We are human, but the Holy Spirit brings unity. In this room, we will disappoint each other. I will say something that you don't like. You'll say something that I don't like. There has to be forgiveness, and we have to preserve that unity and peace in the body that only happens through the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some of the people who are in this room. Uh, You got Simon Peter, who was vocal, very outspoken. Uh, You could almost say impulsive. You're going to see in chapter 2 of Acts that Jesus uses him through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the truth of the gospel and thousands of people get saved in one day. The same impulsive guy who has a foul mouth Jesus was able to use. That's the power of the resurrection. John and James, their brothers, um, they sent mama to Jesus to ask if they could have a place of honor. They couldn't ask themselves. Um, there's a lesson in this. You can't send mama to Jesus for you, okay? You gotta go. <laughs> Man up, woman up. Put on your big boy boots and, <laughs> and go talk to Jesus. I hear so many people go, well, my grandmother's a Christian. <laughs> Good deal, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet your grandmom in heaven. You know, <laughs> you gonna be there? <laughs> going to preaching now. John is funny. John's one of the sons of thunder. They were at a village that didn't accept him, and he wanted to call fire down. I love it. I'd love to ride in the car with John. Let him drive during rush hour. <laughs> you driving? What's great, though, with that temper, God used great humility, became the disciple of love, wrote the gospel of John, first, second, and third John. Still held on to some of that fire because he wrote Revelation. <laughs> and then his brother James was asking, sent his mom to ask for the seat of honor in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, woman, you don't know what you're asking for. There's a little bit of insecurity with James, almost this need to be needed, that he wanted his mom to secure a place of honor for him because he needed to be that close to Jesus. See, even Jesus can take that with the resurrection power, the power of the Holy Spirit, can take that and use that for greatness in the kingdom. Andrew was there. Faith, is, faith came easy to Andrew. He's one of those guys that as soon as he saw Jesus, he believed. And then he was anxious to go out and bring other people to Jesus. You ever been around those people who faith just comes easy? You're like, I just don't get it with you. It just, it's just there. He's one of those heart-first people you hear me talk about, that they just fall in love with Jesus. We'll learn the other stuff later. We'll, we'll, just, we'll handle the doctrine and theology later. I'm just in love with Jesus, man. Let's go. Then you got Philip in the room. Philip is the thinker and the planner. He's the head guy. Now, Philip and Andrew would have rubbed each other wrong, needing unity and forgiveness, because Andrew's like, man, let's just get together in the upper room. Let's sing songs, man. We'll cry. We'll have a good time. This is going to be great. And Philip is like, wait, 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 wait. Where does faith fit on this chart? You know, show me here. And and we need to read. Truth is vital. And so they're going to rub each other the wrong way. Philip needed logistics from Jesus. He was UPS before UPS. Philip was in the logistics business. He goes, okay, Jesus, we've got 5,000 men here. How are we going to do this? So he was a thinker. He was a planner. Then you got Thomas. If we, if we reduce Thomas to doubting Thomas, we've only gotten half the story because Jesus touched. I mean, Thomas touched the scars and said, my Lord and my God. Thomas was a missionary to India, was martyred for his faith, Tradition holds that it was through a, by a spear through his side. When he said, Jesus, I want to touch the hole in your side. And the story is that he was martyred by a spear to the side. 
James, John's brother, was the first martyr, by the way. Uh, you got Bartholomew, who was also known as Nathaniel. Uh, I would say Bartholomew, Bart, is a little judgmental. Um, because when he was told about Jesus and where he was from, this was his response. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, it's like locking in on one of our cities in the Metroplex. Like, can anything good come from... I'm not going to finish that sentence. (laughs) I will get emails, man. (laughs) No, I'm going to go on. Uh, You got Matthew. (laughs) Matthew, also known as Levi, crooked tax collector. Um, he was part of a broken system that would abuse power to collect taxes. Um, it was a very corrupt system. Man, you think about the men not wanting to be in the room with this guy. I mean, I know tax season's coming up, and IRS guys, they've softened up. I don't want to deal with this kind of tax collector. But God took that greed, the resurrection power, and the Holy Spirit's power can take that greed and bring humility. Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew. His whole mission in writing the book of Matthew was to show the Jews that the King, the Messiah that you've been waiting for is here. You don't have to look anywhere else. Jesus is the King of Kings. That's Matthew. Then you've got James, son of Alphaeus. We don't know a lot about him. Pretty low. I'm in the Zealot. Uh, Zealots wanted to take down Rome. They were a political activist group. They believed that they could take Rome by force. They were fighters. So then you've got uh, Jesus taking that fight, that zeal, and kind of forming that into passion for Jesus. Then you've got Judas, not Iscariot, who's son of James, also known as Thaddeus. He questioned Jesus uh, about his plan to reveal himself first to the disciples and into the world. He's like, that doesn't make sense. Basically, he was like, let me help you with your business strategy. I don't know if you've ever run into those people who can tell you how to do things better. I never experienced that. Um, but the thinkers and planners that help you with your business strategy, you're like, huh, I just want to get together and preach the gospel, man. That's Andrew. I'm more Andrew. But you have this diversity of people, personalities, backgrounds in the room, and there's unity amongst them. I mean, chances are Matthew's had to collect from some of these jokers, right? You're like, oh, you, you took three times more than you should, dude. Think about it. Who else you got in the room? You got women in the room. People tend to try to abuse Christianity to put women down. Jesus has done more to liberate women than any other person in history. Jesus includes women as a critical and vital role in the mission of the church. I was at a conference a couple months ago, and the speaker was talking about the role of women in the church, which I'm like, I'm with you, man. We need women in the church. And he goes, ladies, if you feel like you're being slighted, let me give you some advice. Go on strike. And I was like, no. (laughs) If our church was void of women, we'd get nowhere. (laughs) Trust me, that coffee bar you see, gone. There'd be some some men's ministry leader rolling in with a bag of to-go from McDonald's. Like, we'll split this this, uh, biscuit. I ate half of it on the way here, sorry. You've got Jesus' mom, Mary. There's just something about having mama, right? Mom's in the room. She believed in her son. I love Mary. I think we need to respect and honor Mary. I don't think we elevate her to the level that we worship her, but we need to honor and respect her. We don't need to overemphasize her, but we shouldn't underemphasize her either. 
And then you've got Jesus' brothers. Uh, when you read through Scripture, Jesus' brothers were Joseph, Judas by Jude, Simon, and James. In John chapter 7, we learn that his brothers, or it's really his half-brothers, didn't believe in him. They didn't believe he was who he said he was. Matter of fact, in Mark chapter 3, they're like, you need to get Jesus out of here because he's out of his mind. <laughs> this dude is crazy. And now they're at the launching pad of ministry. They're at the launching pad of the mission of the church. What brings them from going, he's out of mind, to he is Lord? It's the resurrection power. Because Jesus appeared to his brothers after he was raised from the dead. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what they were there waiting on. When you read verse 7 and 8 of chapter 1, when he says, wait, that's an active process. Too many times we gather as the church, and this is our idea of waiting on God. It's like the waiting room at a doctor's office. I had to go to the doctor last week. I don't like that. I'm sick, and I need to be there. But I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting around all these sick people. <laughs> what if they're sick with something worse than I got? Is that going to get on me? We sit around in churches with that weight attitude. That's what will happen. Like, I'm, I'm here because I'm a mess, but they're a mess too. What if their mess is worse than mine? Will their mess jump on me? And then we just, we just, it just goes nuts. But you might go to a restaurant after we leave here today, and there's going to be a person that's going to come to your table, introduce themselves, take your drink order, and take your food order, and take care of you during that visit. They are called a waiter or a waitress. Side note, if you go to a restaurant that requires a waiter or a waitress, tip them and tip them well. <laughs> this afternoon is the time that most waiters and waitresses hate to work. Why? Because of Christians. Okay? If you can't afford to go to a restaurant that's going to require you to tip, go somewhere else. Okay? $5 footlongs. Okay, back in, back in the message. <laughs> Waiting on God is an active process. We don't come sit in here as the church and go, I'm waiting on you, Jesus. Come back. Give me the power of the Holy Spirit so I can have patience to wait for you. No, it's we engage in this process. We serve. We worship. We're like, you tell me what you want to do. God, you give me the orders and I will go get it accomplished. You tell me what you want, God, and I'll go fulfill it. That's what waiting is. It's very active. And it takes unity to happen in the church. It takes purpose to happen. Here's the bottom line. We need faith in Jesus, but we also need faith in each other to accomplish this mission. We cannot do it alone. I need to know that Jesus believes in me, Jesus has my back, but I also need, that, need to know that you have my back. You need to know that Jesus has your, your life in his hands and that he has the plan for your life and he has your back, but you also need to know I have your back. That's the value of community, this common unity that when we gather, we look out for each other, we protect each other, we pray for each other, and we engage with each other. We do this together. In unity. Verse 14, again, let me read it. They, um, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What were they doing in the upper room? You can shout it out. Praying. That's right, they were praying. They were also eating because this is church, right? I'm sure they were doing that. 
They were praying. In order for us to go into the world with the greatest message of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who loves us even when we're a mess, who gave his life for us, the power of the resurrection transformed these men who followed him, these women who followed him, that transforms us. In order for us to go out with this message, we have to pray. It's not a last resort. It's the first option. There are things that only happen through prayer. We need to spend more of our time talking to Jesus than we do talking about him. And I'll admit to you that there are many weeks I spend more time talking about Jesus than I do talking to him. Here's the danger in that long term. If I try to talk about Jesus all the time, I'm trying to regurgitate facts and information. I'm not talking out of my relationship of time I've just spent with him. You see, I can talk about my family and I love my family, but I need to spend more time talking to him. The only way that validates me talking about my family is when I talk to them. And there are things that only happen through prayer. The only way we're going to see miracles is by prayer. Jesus is talking to the disciples. They were trying to cast some demons out of some people. And he said, these kind only come out by fasting and prayer. We have to understand that prayer is a great opportunity for us to engage in the mission of God. We can't nag people into the kingdom. We can't argue people into the kingdom. Here's our philosophy at the creek, and here's what needs to happen. We pray them in. We pray them in and then go get them. You're here because you've been prayed in. Long before we met you as a face and a body, we prayed for your heart and your hands. We prayed for your mess before you revealed your mess for us. Every leader that serves at the creek, we have prayed them in because we said, God, these these are the hearts and these are the hands and the desires for your kingdom that we need. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, hey, I want to get involved. Well, here's my gifting. And we're like, what? We pray them in. And then we go get them. When we go get them, we don't nag them in. We don't argue them in. We love them in. We pray Spend time talking to Jesus so when we go talk about him, we're a great reflection of him. So when the world looks at us and says, I think I was just talking to him. We pray him in. Let me show you, share with you where the disciples prayed in the book of Acts. They prayed in Acts chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, two times in chapter 10, chapter 12, 13, 14, two times in chapter 16. 20, 21, 27, and 28. Here's the nutshell. They prayed before and after everything happened. There was a value in prayer. So let's gather in this room. Let's worship Jesus. Let's pray. Let's talk to him. Let's be in unity, and let's do this together. That's my challenge to you. I had a friend that always say, let's do this. Let's do this together. Let's go. I mean, let's let's get here and love on each other. Let's have a good time. Let's laugh. Let's cry. Let's feel it. Let's learn it. But then let's go. Because that's the greatest strength of the church. That's where the mission gets ignited when we go. That way we don't become crusty and get all spiritual bed sores and everything. The point of Christianity is not sitting in a room, but doing this together and going. So what we're going to do, I, I don't want you to miss this opportunity to engage in community because it goes beyond coming and sitting in this room. We need to engage in community. We need to engage with each other. And so I'm going to pray for us. 
When I pray, our community group leaders are going to get ready, and they're going to be up here. Your kids are still in service. They are, they're taken care of. They're covered. It's all good. And, and we're going to spend some time in here speed dating or, or mingling or talking. I want you to meet your community group leaders. Um, they have cards that look like this. Um, if there's a study you like, which I kind of wish I was a woman this semester because they're doing one of my favorite studies called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Um, and that's just a dynamic. Guys, you can read the book, man. It is incredible. You will not regret reading that book. It's an easy read. I don't read so well, but um, I like reading that book. Um, but fill out one of these. You can give it to the community group leader, or you can put it in the box at the welcome table. I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. I believe so much in the idea and the value of community and doing this together through the unity and the bond of the Holy Spirit that I want us to take the time to engage in this. Let's do this. Let's do this together. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for the resurrection power of the cross that called Jesus from the grave, that that power transforms lives, that that power can take uh, these men and women who followed you that bring all kinds of baggage to the cross, but it's your power that changes life. And I thank you for that power at work in us today. I pray that 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 power can transform our heart, our life, to going from saying you're crazy to your Lord. And Father, I just ask right now that, that, that maybe it's just in the stillness of this moment where maybe the purpose of someone in this room is for them to say to you, Jesus, your Lord, and I need that transformation power. I'm a mess, but I need you to redeem my mess. Maybe that's the purpose that they're here for. Father, for us, I pray that we don't miss focus on the purpose. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that brings unity to the body, that brings unity to us, that brings a beauty to our relationships, first with you and then with others. So I pray for unity in that. Father, I pray that you just ignite the purpose and the mission that you've given us as the creek. And Lord, help us to engage in in life-giving relationships with each other. We love you and we thank you. We, We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.